Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, hey, everybody, Kent here. Uh, if you listen to our podcast regularly, I realize what you're hearing right now probably sounds a little bit different than a typical week. Uh, that's because we had to call off our gathering this Sunday due to a high number of COVID-19 cases in our area, as well as several people on our staff and church leadership testing positive. And, and just because I've had several people ask me already, I can confirm I am indeed one of those positive cases among our staff myself. Uh, I test tested positive on Tuesday. So far, I feel almost completely fine. Just some minor congestion, a few aches here and there. So I would appreciate your prayers as you think about it for me and the family, but but mostly just for our sanity as we've all been quarantined uh, in our house for at least five days. Uh, it's not really a big house and five days at home is a long time for a six-year-old and a two-year-old. But other than that, we are doing fine. So more importantly, if you would pray for everybody in similar situations right now in our city and in our world and in our church family. Uh, I've texted with, I think, five different people just in my life group over the past week who have tested positive for COVID. So so it's just sort of everywhere right now. But all of that said, uh, we didn't want to let a canceled Sunday gathering keep us from continuing on in this series all about mission and what it looks like to live on mission. So, so what I want to do for the next little bit in this podcast is just walk you through one big idea as it relates to all of that. This will be a much shorter teaching than normal, and that's fine because the idea that I want to get across is actually really, really simple and straightforward. Uh, if you've been around City Church very long, and especially if you've gone through our City Church class, this idea that I'm about to lay out to you will probably sound pretty familiar. But at the same time, I think it is such an easy idea to forget and to miss in the day-to-day hustle of our lives. But it is absolutely crucial to living on mission as followers of Jesus. I would argue if you miss this concept that we're going to discuss today, you will have a hard time making much progress at all when it comes to demonstrating and articulating the gospel to people around you. So I want to just spend a little bit of time making sure that we wrap our minds around on this idea well. So all that said, if you have a Bible or, or a Bible app nearby, uh, go with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Uh, while you're getting there, the, the book of Acts, if you're unfamiliar with it, is basically just a detailed account of the growth of the early church. It, it starts with Jesus's resurrection and ascension into heaven, and then it sort of follows his disciples as they get this thing called the church up and going in the ancient world. So a lot of it actually follows an, a new disciple of Jesus named Paul, who eventually became the guy who wrote the majority of our New Testament in our our Bibles. And the story that we're about to read in Acts chapter 17 is actually about him. It's about Paul. And it starts with him sort of wandering through a city called 
Athens, as in Athens, Greece, not Georgia. I feel like I need to clarify that, although credit where credit is due. Way to go, Bulldogs, on the natty this week. It, it pains me to say that, but I feel like I should say congratulations. Anybody that can beat Bama deserves a congratulations. But all that said, uh, it isn't that Athens, Georgia. It's Athens, Greece, that Paul is walking through. And as Paul walks through this city, he, he sees idols everywhere. As in foreign gods that people are there worshiping. So, so we actually talked about this some in last week's teaching, if you remember it, how within the Roman Empire in the ancient world, they would have these things called pantheons, places where you could go and you could worship whatever god it was that you wanted to worship. They would have a plethora of different gods around, and you could sort of pick the one that you wanted to direct your worship towards. So, so Paul is seeing something along those lines there in Athens. Lots of different gods set up to worship, and he decides to take advantage of this opportunity and tell the people there a little bit about the God of the Bible. So let's pick things up. Acts chapter 17. We'll start in verse 22 together. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus. I don't think that's how you say that, but we'll go with it and said, people of Athens, which is a great way to start a talk, right? I might try that out sometime. People of Knoxville just sounds really official if you start a talk that way. He says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Stop right there for just a second. Now, I, I know that this might sound a little bit aggressive to us. Paul's tone might feel a little bit aggressive. And, and sometimes Paul is an aggressive sort of guy. Just I'll, I'll say that before we move any further. But here in this particular passage, he's probably aiming for more provocative than he is aggressive in his tone. That, that word ignorant that he uses is really just another form of the word unknown that is on the very description that he's talking about. It, it just means to not know something in essence. He, he's saying, since you're saying that you already don't know who this particular God is, I would love to tell you a little bit about him. He's just trying to be provocative. In context, he's talking to a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who are listening to him. So, so they actually love new ideas and educating themselves in things that they don't know yet. So it's, it's probably a little more friendly and provocative in tone than we tend to read it in our day and age. But regardless of any of that, Paul is about to tell them about the God that they don't yet know about. So here he goes, verse 24 in the passage. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. In other words, this God that I'm telling you about right now, he's not like these other gods that you have set up, these other idols that you have set up. He doesn't live in temples and he doesn't need anything from humans. On the contrary, he's actually the giver of life himself. He, he's the true creator God. And then I want you to take a look at this next part in the passage, because this is actually the part I want us to camp out on for the majority of our time. Verse 26 says this. For from one man, he made all the nations 
that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and and the boundaries of their lands. 27, God did this so that, and here's the reason, they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Okay, so, so track with what Paul is saying here. He says that this true creator God that he's talking about, that that God made all the nations. And by that, he he really means all the people of every nation. And he also determined the times and history that these people would live as, as well as the precise places that they would live. And he did all of that for one primary purpose, which is that those people might seek him or, or reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Now, please Whatever you do at this point in our teaching, please do not overlook the profundity of that statement that Paul just made. Don't do the thing that sometimes we as Christians do where we go, yeah, yeah, of course God made everybody. Of course he determined when, when we would live and and where we would live. And of course he wants people to know him. Of course he did all of that. He is God after all. Uh, Yes, he is. But But there are some very practical implications of all of those things being true that I think we have to realize together. If it is true that God determines the times and the places that people live for the express purpose of people entering into a relationship with him, then that means that you and I are where we are for a reason right now. If God put the people around us where they are for that reason, and he put you and I where we are for that reason, that means that everything you and I do, everywhere you and I go, just got infused with purpose all of a sudden. And that purpose is for you and I to live on mission as followers of Jesus everywhere that we go throughout our lives. So, so this means, check it out, that you live where you live for a reason. What, whatever neighborhood or apartment or dorm room or glorified shoebox that you happen to live in, God has you there because he wants you to be on mission there. It, it means that you work where you work because God wants you to be on mission there. You, you go to school where you go to school because God wants you to be on mission there. You're in the classes that you're in because God wants you to be on mission there. You take your kids to school or to daycare, wherever you take them for those things, because God wants you to be on mission there. You grocery shop where you grocery shop for this reason. You frequent the restaurants and the coffee shops and the bars that you frequent for this reason. Everything you and I do and everywhere you and I go all of a sudden matters. Because God has a mission for us in those places and in those arenas of our life. So maybe you hate where you live right now. Maybe you hate where you work right now. Maybe you hate where you go to school. Maybe you're not a big fan of any of those places that you go on a regular basis. And listen, I get that. But I would argue that when there is a grander purpose behind something, it can make a lot of unbearable things a little more bearable. So just as an example, 
uh, the first job that I ever worked in high school, really in my life, was as a member of the grounds crew for a parks and rec department in my hometown. And trust me, uh, it was nowhere near as fun or as funny as the show Parks and Rec. That show is not accurate at all. It's hilarious, but it is not accurate to an actual Parks and Rec department. Uh, it was a summer job. So a lot of very long, very hot days in the sun, uh, early mornings. It was hard work. There was a lot of sweat involved. I was really thankful for the job. I think it taught me a lot when I look back on it, but it wasn't a job that you bragged about to your friends, right? Like not by a long shot, but here's the thing. There was a reason that I took that job. It was because my dream, and I'm going to maybe date myself a little bit here, but my dream was to own a 1994 Jeep Wrangler. That was my Jeep dream. It, it, it might would have been my dream to own a newer car, but I couldn't afford a newer one. So it was my dream to own a 94 Wrangler. And I mean, I wanted that Wrangler. I had clipped out pictures of that model Wrangler from magazines and stuff like that. I, I wanted to be able to drive it around town with the top off and enjoy the weather. I, I wanted to take it out in the mountains and go mudding with friends. That was the dream for me. And because there was a purpose behind the job so that I could save up money for that Jeep, I could deal with long summer days in the sun. I, I could bear it. I could deal with it because purpose can make a lot of unbearable things bearable. So part of living on mission then is realizing that God has placed a purpose behind where you are and what you do in your life. And the purpose is befriending the people that God puts you around and asking how you might be a part of helping them come to know Jesus. So that person in the office next to yours at work that you cannot stand because they are horrible to you and they're horrible to everyone else. That might be true of them. That might really be who they are. But if, if this passage in Acts 17 is true, God may have put them there so that you can build a friendship with them, get to know them and help them discover who Jesus is. And who knows, maybe they'll come a little less horrible as a result, as a result of coming to know Jesus, uh, that neighbor you have who, who always blows their grass clippings on your yard and does not even seem to notice or care that they're doing that at all. They might indeed be an annoying neighbor, but God might have them living next to you so that they can come to know Jesus. Uh, that classmate you have, that friend that you have, that server at the restaurant that you go to once a week, that bartender, whoever it might be, part of participating in God's mission is learning to see the people you come into contact with on a daily basis, not as inconveniences to you, not as obstacles, not as people who make life more frustrating or more difficult for you, even if those things are true of them. But rather, it means seeing those people as people that God may want you to befriend in the hopes that they one day discover who Jesus is. So if what we're reading in Acts 17 is true, I think we would do well to, to view our life and our rhythms and our circumstances in this way so that people might reach out and find God, though he is not far from any one of us. So that's it. 
That's the big idea. Like I told you, very simple, very short, very brief, but at the same time, I would argue completely paradigm shifting for our everyday lives. You are where you are for a reason. So I want to show you briefly as we close out about how to connect everything that we just talked about to this week's practice in the practice guide. So if you got a copy of the booklet at the gathering last week, or or if you just want to access it at citychurchnox.com, practice number three in that booklet is called a neighboring chart. So if you've been around a few years, you might remember something resembling this from our neighboring series that we did a while back. But I think it's just a really useful tool when it comes to building relationships with those around us. So basically the way that it works is that you just imagine yourself in the middle of the chart, right? So, so maybe you're imagining your house on the street or the neighborhood that you live in, or or maybe you're imagining your apartment in your apartment complex, or or, or maybe it's your desk or your office or your cubicle or, or just where you stand at work when you go to work. Just imagine some sphere of your life and imagine you in the middle of that chart. So the goal is to go around the other blocks in the chart and jot down the things that you currently know relationally about each of the people that live or work in those different locations around you. So as the instructions in the practice guide say, section A in each block of that chart is that person's name. So, so if you know it, if you know the name of the person that lives there or works there, just jot down their name. Maybe you just know their first name. Maybe you know first and last. Maybe you also know their spouse or their significant other's name if they have one. Or maybe you don't. It's fine if you don't. Maybe you're going, okay, I don't know any of these people's names. No problem. You've got your first step to work on this week or in the next few weeks. Go and introduce yourself to a few of those people and learn their names. Not always, but a large percentage of the time, you can't get to know somebody very well until you first know their name. So start there. If you don't know the names, start there. Now, then for the people whose names you do actually know already, then I'd encourage you to move on to section B in that particular block. So section B is for any surface level details that you've learned about that particular person. So maybe, you know, from conversation with them that, uh, they work as an engineer somewhere downtown, or or maybe, you know, that they have middle school aged kids, or or maybe, you know, that they moved here from California, or maybe, you know, that they're Alabama fans. And that's why you haven't gotten to know them any further than that, or just anything, you know, at a surface level right now, maybe you don't know anything about them. Maybe you literally only know their names and like what color their hair is or something like that. And, And again, that's totally fine. That just means that's your next step. So spend a moment or two the next time you see them or or come across them or talk to them and just get to know some things about them. It's easy to ask those sorts of questions to people once you've introduced yourself. So that's section B. Now, then for anybody that you do actually already know some surface level details about, maybe move on to section C for that person. So, so this is for somewhat deeper aspirations that you've learned about that person's life. So maybe you remember them saying that they want to travel the world one day, or, or, or maybe you remember them saying that their dream is to like start a restaurant or a food truck or something like that. Maybe you remember them saying one day that they want to have a big family. They want to start a big family one day in the future. 
that this tells you a lot about people sometimes is to know some of their bigger picture dreams and aspirations. So maybe if you don't know any of those things, if you only know a person's name and some surface level details about their life, ask some good questions to figure it out. Ask to hang out with them and get to know them a little bit more. Ask them questions like, if you could do anything in the world for a living, what would it be? Or or what would your dream life situation be? What would it look like if you were just living your best life possible? There are all sorts of ways to draw these things out of people once you develop a friendship with them. So maybe figure out what are some of their deeper dreams and aspirations in life and jot those things down in section C. And then finally, for, for any of them where, where you actually know some of section A, you know some of section B, and you know stuff from section C, maybe write down anything that you've gathered from them about their perspective on, on Jesus or, or faith or religion and spirituality in general. Now, this obviously is on an even deeper level. So it's going to take time for most people to work towards knowing them this well. But I think you'll find that often if you've put in the work to show genuine interest and care for another person, stuff like this will just sort of come up over time. Or or even if you ask about it in a conversational way, they might be willing to share it. The goal is that learning this about people is that it helps you know where they're coming from in regards to faith and spirituality so that maybe whenever the topic of conversation of Jesus or you being a Christian comes up in conversation, you can bring it up well in those conversation and not be blindsided by maybe a belief that they have or an objection that they have. So maybe fill out something in section D, or if you don't know anything about section D, look for a way to ask about stuff like that in the future, assuming that you know that person well enough. So all this is, all this chart is as a whole, it is a way to jot down details that you've learned about people so that you don't forget them after you learn them. And, and maybe to help you give something to work towards in in terms of deepening your relationships with those people over time. Now, I will say, as I mentioned the first week of the series, maybe, maybe doing it like this in this chart and, and jotting down these details, maybe that feels super cold and, and programmatic to you. Maybe, maybe this feels like we're turning people into projects for you. And, and that's totally fine. You do not have to use this chart. You don't have to do it this way. It, it's just a tool for your convenience. But I would argue it, it's really no more programmatic than putting lunch with your best friend on your calendar so that you don't forget it, right? Or so that you don't double book over it. it. It's just a tool meant to help encourage us to get to know the people around us over time. And our prayer is that by doing this, by by using things like this, we will be prompted to view those relationships around us with far more intentionality and purpose and help those people, quote, reach out for God, though he isn't far from any one of us. And we're praying along the way that the spirit of God moves through it to draw people to himself. So we'll work on that together as a church family this week for those that are interested. Let me pray for us as we close. God, thank you that you are the creator, God. That you have placed us when and where and how we are so that people around us might reach out and find you, although you're not far from any one of us. We ask that you would help us to see ourselves this way. 
that you would help us to see our lives this way. You would help us to see our workplaces this way, our neighborhoods and living situations this way. God, would you help us see that we are where we are for a reason? And that reason is to help people find and discover you. So we just ask that you would work in our hearts and minds. Would you give us eyes to see the things around us and the people around us as you see them? And then would you give us the courage and the desire to befriend those who need to know who you are? We ask you to move and to work through us and even sometimes to move and work despite us. We thank you for your grace and your compassion for us. Amen.